0: Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back everyone to the Ilm Feed podcast. I'm your host Shabir Hassan and really excited to be back once again in these uh, cold winter days alhamdulillah and uh, we've got an amazing episode lined up for you all today. Something I mean what, one thing that we try to do on the Ilm Feed podcast is not only do we try to invite um, people who can provide real inspiration um, through their own life journeys, but also we try to do, we try to discuss things that aren't discussed as much. And, and in today's episode, we definitely haven't discussed this before. We're going to be talking about confidence, we're going to be talking about leadership, we're going to be talking about creating a, an impact. So um, jam packed, inshallah. And we have the founder um, of Muslim Mastery, uh, Brother Muhammad Arshad, joining us today. Uh, and I'm super excited to have this conversation with him. Asalaamu Alaikum Warahmatullahi bro Waalaikumsalam, it's great to be here, bro. I'm really, really look forward to this episode with you, especially. Likewise, alhamdulillah. Thank you so much for joining us. I know you're super busy, and I know we've been trying to organize this for some time now, so yeah. I'm glad we finally managed to uh, to get this done. Um, uh, one thing I'm going to ask you straight away, actually, because I realise that um, a lot of people might call you the Muslim CEO, um, so uh, I want to just find out a bit more about that, and because uh, it's got a bit of a corporate vibe to it, uh, and I understand that's your background as well. So tell us a bit about um, your background and how you came to this um, uh, title uh, of Muslim CEO and what your work involves, inshallah. Sure. So, um, you know, it's funny, a few
1: days ago, my sister, she sent me a message while I was abroad and she basically sent me a picture of Mm. a report of mine when I was a kid. And I must have been like six, seven years old and they kept it. It was like, you know, 30 years old or whatever. And in it, it was a a teacher was talking about me and she was saying, you know, he's very slow and he's this basically saying I was very like average. And this Mm. was kind of my story my whole life. I feel like I was very, very average. And um, people used to say, the teacher used to say, he's got potential which is a way of saying that your child's a bit dumb and we hope something will happen with him type of thing. So um, I went through that a lot of, uh, like my normal life was just, I lived in the UK my whole life. But at 15, my parents kind of plucked us out of the UK and said, we're going to go back to Pakistan. And I went there and I was going to basically study in an English medium school out there. Um, So I thought I was going to be amazing because I thought I speak English. These Pakistanis, what do they know about English, right? (laughs) I'm going to do amazing. I went to the school and within, within the first year, I had failed every single subject except for my beloved English and <laughs> no uh, and geography. Everything. I failed everything. And these guys were super clever, super intelligent. And that whole thing, it, it shifted my perspective about education and, and learning and all this kind of stuff. So me failing there, it was really, really bad. It was a terrible uh, incident for me. But I then came back to the UK. I was 17 years old and I had no qualifications. So uh, absolutely nothing, no GCSEs, no nothing, because I had just not done anything over there except mm. what they were doing. Um, So when I came here, I joined the college and I found education really easy, Alhamdulillah, because I'd gone through that struggle. It was really, really easy. I cruised through uh, college. I got a distinction. I studied business uh, and then I cruised through university. I got a first class degree again. I just cruised through all of this stuff, Alhamdulillah. And as I was cruising through it, I remember there was a day uh, in Ramadan, like you probably know about the ISOC. You've got these amazing brothers and sisters who are working the ISOC really, really hard. And I saw this one brother, he was carrying this massive box of chicken like a huge box right he was taking like chicken to for iftar and I was walking in there and I was seeing him not not not, that- live chicken, right? <laughs> no, not live chicken All right okay and I was just watching him and I saw him and I looked at him and I thought wow I said this guy is here to serve the people mm. and I am here to kind of eat the food right and at that moment I, I really I kind of felt like a loser because I felt like I'd just been cruising through university and not caring about anyone else except myself uh, and, and that was one of the turning points for me, I think, in terms of learning about impact and, and trying to benefit others and all these kind of things. And the great thing is that brother, he probably doesn't even know that he inspired me to kind of, you know, do something different with my life. So it kind of started from there where I started thinking more about, uh, you know, more than business, more than kind of, uh, just myself and all these other mm. things. And then that kind of led me through different careers and different things. Like in the corporate world, I studied sales, which is a lot to do with communication, um,
0: and I did lots of different
1: things like that in my past that really kind of led me to where I am today. I think
0: mm, very interesting journey you've been on. Um, I like that example about the brother who's carrying the um, the chicken, right? Not the live chicken, of course, but the, the, <laughs> the box of food. Because, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I mean when you when you talk about leadership, and I know it's spoken a lot about today as well, um, even in yeah. the in the Western world and mainstream, right? You know, um, Simon Sinek, he's got that book, right? Called um, I think it's leaders, leaders eat last. Eat last. Yes. Yeah, so like. And it's based on, subhanAllah, it's based on prophetic tradition as well, where exactly. I like, um, came across one hadith, Prophet said, like, the, the Allah khadim Allah. or the true leader is, uh, sorry, the, the leader um, of the people, Sayyidul qaum is the one who's actually their khadim, the one who serves them. Mm. And um, there's another narration I came across, which is, um, the true leader of the people is, ahiruhum shurban, the last one to drink out of all of them yes. and that's kind of like the prophetic model if you realise like if you study the Sirah Prophet used to get some food, drink used to offer it to the companions and then have a bit at the end that's, mm. that's pretty powerful what are, your, what are your thoughts on that and how, how, how can we I think, learn from that
1: I think it's a wonderful thing you brought up because um, you know for me like this book title Leaders Eat Last and everything you said about last drink it's so relevant I'll tell you why it's relevant you know when I left university um, I had that kind of epiphany that I want to do something beneficial I didn't know what to do The only thing I knew is when I was a kid, my parents, we used to have these big Asian weddings. And in those days, it wasn't fancy. We didn't have no waiters. So what would happen is that a few uncles would basically choose the youngsters to go and give food to people. Right. Like on the different tables in the wedding. And my dad was always one of the guys who was arranging things. So my dad would always say, right, even if I was really young, 11, 12, whatever it was, he would give me a table and he would say, go and serve that table. Right. So then we would be given a table and we would manage the food. And then at the end of it, you would be the one that would be eating the, the cold chicken and there would be no kebabs left because you were eating last. And, and literally it was all the people that were serving were the ones that were last to eat, right? Mm. And so when I went back to university, um, after I graduated, I was like, I want to do something beneficial for the ISOC, but I don't know what to do. And I thought, you know what? I know how to serve food. Let me just do that. And literally all I did was, even though, like I said, I, like people might be watching this who are inexperienced, who've got no skills, nothing. I was like that, I had nothing. All I had was just an intention in my mind that I want to do something good for the sake of Allah. So I just went to the mm-hmm. local ISOC. My brother was still at university and I said, listen, I want to help you guys with Ramadan. So I went there. I went in and I helped with Ramadan because I was I was fueled by regret. I was really, really passionate because of the regret of the time I wasted. I went all in. And just by me going there and being the last one to eat and all this stuff, these guys, naturally, they just saw me as a leader. And I think in leadership, you'll find this, that if you give it everything and you're really putting the people ahead of yourselves, they will naturally push you to the front because, you know, it's very rare to find people who are like that. So they will push you to the front. So I think this whole thing around leadership, you know, I think service is a massive, massive part of it. One of the things I've been talking about a lot in leadership is, you know, you get all these kind of uh, different elements to it. And I think, like you said,
0: service is massive. Yeah, subhanAllah, and khidmah is such a huge, integral part of our faith as well. Uh, And I think, you know what, it's really like, it's super satisfying as well when you think about it, and um, there's so much barakah, even though you think, oh man, I have to eat last and you know, I'm going to get the leftovers, but you know, I've realised when you've done that, whether it's like on a small scale, hosting someone in your house and you kind of eat later and you you take care of them, or a bigger event or something, when you do finally get to eat, you just find, not only is it satisfying, but there's a lot of barakah in that, where it's like, it's enough, you know, you didn't have to... So I feel like Allah does bless you in that and like I said it's a huge part of the um, the, the Islamic leadership model as well which um, a lot of us can learn from because uh, I mean a lot of us think that leadership is just about the titles right and um, mm. you know being being in the limelight all the time and everybody knowing who you are but a lot of times mm. leaders just get on with the job and, and get it done right um, yeah. so, 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 so these are some interesting things. Um, another thing that you I've seen you do a lot as you talk about, like, inspiring organizations and um, trying to create impact. Impact is a big word um, yeah. that you use. Um, give us some examples of um, some organizations that you've worked with and what kind of impact you've seen over the years. Sure. So I just want to tell you, like,
1: uh, one of the things I would say is that because I worked in sales, when I first started in sales, um, I, I really, like, liked that environment because it taught me a lot about communication. But it was very money oriented, right? So I remember this one time I was sitting on my desk... And uh, this lady, she came and she started talking about the commission she was going to earn. And she kept talking about it, talking about it, talking about it. And it was like a movie. I was phasing out and I just phased out what she was talking And She was still moving her mouth and I was just like phasing out. And then I said to myself, Ya Allah, is this what you created me for? Like, is this what my life is going to be about? Like money and listening to how much people make. And at that moment, I was like, you know what? This is not enough. And so I went to different people who are Muslims and I said, look, I want to do something different. I don't know what to do. I want to keep working, but I want to volunteer and do something. And there was this uh, sister. She worked with me at at, uh, my company and she said, you know what? My cousin, he works at this place. You should go check it out. So they told me about this place called Muslim Youth Helpline, um, which is a voluntary organization where young people, they call in uh, with their problems. And when I first heard about it, I thought it was going to be like, you know, two Pakistanis on a, on a phone line and just sitting there. But it was so professional, you know, um, they taught us so much about how to deal with these kind of issues. So I started working there. Um, I worked there for about five years as a helpline counsellor. I would take calls. Uh, my speciality was dealing with cases of self-harm, suicide, sexual abuse, all these difficult kind of uh, things that we went through. Um, so this was a really, really good organisation. I learned a massive amount uh, about how to communicate, how to deal with difficult situations, high pressured moments, all these kind of things. Uh, and I think that, like you were saying before, that, you know, really as as a business person, I think that the ROI of giving to the sake of Allah is, is insane. It's really insane. Mm. Like when I look back at my journey, uh, literally some of the best friends I've ever had came through my volunteering. So um, I actually got married uh, through my volunteering. You know, all the skills I've learned and all the kind of things I've acquired have been through uh, volunteering and giving. And so, mm. you know, I think it's a big, big lesson for anyone who feels that like they might not have enough in their life or someone who feels like they are not enough as a person mm. to go out there and give. And you might not know what to give. You might not know how to give. But just by having that intention, like you can you can do so much, inshallah.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's the, it's the skill set as well uh, and what you pick up along the way. I think um, that's, what, that's why a lot of, like, students especially, they have a lot of free time. And, um, you know, yeah. nowadays university students, right, it's just like they need to kill time on weekends and, you know, first year is kind of like they're not really that focused on their studies so it's like i think that that is such um such a pivotal kind of moment in your life where in those years you know leading up to 20s early 20s you should be using that time to volunteer and get involved like i always say that is those are the years for experimenting definitely um you need to experiment you need to try different things and you just never know like ilmfeed podcast i never would have known that you know, this is something that I'm I, I like doing. Um, if I hadn't in my early student years just experimented, helped out hosting, um, you know, the the event for a charity dinner, I just helped out and decided to they, they just push me to the f- uh, front, start hosting. You know, you do these things, you start hosting an event, and then you start helping out here and there. And you're like, oh, okay, I actually I actually enjoy doing this kind of thing, and yeah. it leads to something a few years down the line. So um, I take it you must have done a lot of that as well yourself, experimenting and see and encouraging yeah. others to do the same right definitely i think uh,
1: this is a big big problem that people have they're like i don't know what my purpose is i don't know what i should focus on i don't know what our passion is and i always say to people it's a bit like uh, an alien coming from out of space and landing at nawab's buffet right <laughs> there's like 200 dishes and they're like what 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 do i like best to eat well the only way you're going to find out is actually by trying different things mm. um, and once you try different things you'll go through different journeys uh, and you'll eventually end up where you want to end up. Like in the early days, like for me, I was really crazy about project management and uh, all this kind of stuff. And that's why I helped out with uh, bringing al to the UK because it was very uh, event based and stuff. But after event management, I found myself like getting sick and tired of project management, event management. Even I was a project manager, formerly I did the qualification and everything. After a few years, I found much more benefit in people management and helping and developing people and all these kind of things Mm. um so it's a journey i think it's it's one of the this is one of the things that i always talk about that in today's day and age i really feel for the younger people especially because i feel we live in this on-demand world right like sometimes i talk to my kids and you know if they want something from amazon they can order it and they'll get today right but when they make dua for something it might take three weeks for that to arrive Right. So Mm. how do you kind of live in a world like that where, you know, you feel like you have the power to order something today and it arrives tomorrow, whereas you might be making dua three years from now. So I think there's some Mm. real, real kind of challenges that we have uh, in today's world with those kind of things. But again, like, alhamdulillah, we really, really like we were talking earlier, like within Islam, we have all the frameworks we need to actually survive in even these times.
0: Mm, Definitely. yeah, And and like that, that journey you went through, a lot of us have been through the same where, you know you go through you, you know you're interested in one thing few years down the line you're not that interested and that's okay like i think a lot of people think no 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 if i if i if i studied it yeah. or if i if i if i got experience in it i can't and it's that fear isn't it of fear of the unknown fear of trying something new yes. um and it's okay to just after a while change your mind and be like you no know i'm going to try something here and uh, it might be a risk whatever you want to call it but um you know if you feel like it's a good thing inshallah then and I guess, why not? So I think that's, 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 that's an important point. Um, so, yeah. So, so coming back to um, organisations, right, and um, different just different impacts that you've seen um, yeah. in, 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 in the years that you've been um, doing this work. Tell us a bit about some of your experiences.
1: Uh, for me, I think one of the things I've found is that uh, people together, you'll find that the Muslims generally They Mm. really, really care about making a difference. They really care about having an impact. Even in my discussions with so many people about building businesses, Mm. everyone who's Muslim always seems to think about their akhirah. They all seem to think about doing something better. And I think this is an Islamic principle which is kind of instilled in us from children to Mm. actually think about not just making money for the sake of making money, but actually doing more. And I think that, alhamdulillah, in the UK, we're very, very fortunate now, alhamdulillah, that we have so many different organizations doing so much work. So many of these organizations, they're built off the backs of people. Mm. Um, And so a lot of my time in the early days, especially uh, with Al-Maghrib and Aira and all these organizations, it was working with volunteers. I mean, I was a volunteer myself, but also there was like 20, 30 volunteers who all were very, very sincere in the work they were trying to do. They were all there to give for the sake of Allah. Uh, And these organizations, they're really, really doing well because of people Uh, like that who actually give their time up and i always say like someone who gives their time up it's so serious because Mm. if you think about someone uh you know who actually like goes and uh, gives their time their time is a slice of their life so literally it's like someone giving you their life and saying hey this piece of my life I'm giving to you or to your organization. Um, so I think it's a massive, massive thing when people volunteer. Um, I remember this brother, he came to me, uh, I think it was last year or something. And he said to me, oh brother, um, how are you doing? You okay? I remember seeing you in the Aira and so this and that. And I said, yeah. He said, I remember you. I said, why? He said, you know, when I met you, you came to me and you were the only person who came to me and said, thank you for volunteering. And it makes a massive difference and this and that. And, you know, all these years later, you remembered that just one that one comment. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I said it is because I thought, you know, you have to show people the value of what they bring. And so I think there's organizations that are doing a great job. I think there's volunteers out there that are doing a massively important job. And without the volunteers, the organizations wouldn't be able to function.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, the
1: impact that they're bringing about uh, is huge. But at the same time, I think one message I always try to give to people is remember the Prophet ﷺ said that do not belittle any deed, right? Mm. Even the pouring of a brother's water, like if you pour water for someone, don't even belittle that. So for us impact, although we have this intention for impacting millions and being out there, at the same time, I would say don't belittle a tiny act like you could have an Mm. impact within your own house. Impact doesn't necessarily need to mean that you go out there and you go and give dawah to the rest of the world and, and that's amazing or you're speaking in front of 10,000 people. That's not impact. Impact is mm. just changing a life and it can start just by changing one tiny
0: life. Mm, interesting. I want, I want to put you on b- a bit on the spot here and ask you a question. I, whilst you're talking, I'm thinking, you know, mashallah, you've worked with different organisations, you've travelled quite a bit, you just told me you came back from Turkey, right? So um, mm. I, just want to, I just want to, like, from your experience, I want to ask... Um, And this is more, this is not criticism or anything else. It's more uh, learning, right, for for all of us. It's like, what have you found have been some of the downfalls or um, of different organizations that you've worked with, even individuals that you feel like, you know what, these are some gaps we seriously as Muslims, as a community or as individuals really need to work on. If you can like think of like two or three things that come to your mind immediately, what would you say? Sure, yeah. So um, in the
1: early days, I think where we were suffering is that we were very new to this whole organizational style of things. So we were suffering in branding, we were suffering in, uh, you know, identity and and vision and values and communication, all these kind of things, right, at, at right. start of our organizations. But the good thing was, because it was very new, they were doing really well. So in the old days, you would just start a charity up and you would say, hey, give us money, and they would give you money, right? Then how you handle that money, what you did, it wasn't really seen uh, by mm. people. Because Muslims generally, they have this wonderful trusting nature, right? They're like, if I've given the money out now, I know Allah's rewarding me. So that's it, the money's gone. Um, so I think we suffered with a lot of those kind of th- basic organizational things. But as time's gone on now, you know, we started hiring agencies, we started doing better branding work, better marketing, all these yeah. kind of things. I think the two main a- areas I would say is that we still kind of suffer as an, as an organization from a Muslim's perspective. One is I think that Leadership as a whole, I think we suffer. We have these organizations where you've got the trustees who have been trustees for 30, 40 years. Mm. They're from the old school, they're from back home. They don't really understand things as they are today and they're still completely in control. And then the leadership basically plays a role all the way down Mm. through the organization. So I think that's a massive, massive thing. And then the other thing is like just general professionalism. Like I came from the corporate world into uh, Muslim organizations. And what I found there was terrible. I actually had a higher, and this is what a lot of people have have the perception that am I going to go to a Muslim organization? You know, the trust is going to be high. The etiquettes are going to be amazing. People, you know, I used to fight with people to come on time just to meetings, you know? <laughs> like literally, this is like amazing people. Like people would look up to them, but to get them to my meeting on time, I used to fight with them and I used to make a thing of it. And then over many months and years, they actually changed their behavior and the culture started to shift. So I think culture in general and leadership are two big issues, for Muslim organizations.
0: Yeah. It's, I mean, I'm not, I'm not surprised that you've, especially the second one. Uh, I'm not surprised that you brought, brought that into, I kind of had a feeling you would speak about yeah. professionalism as a whole, because uh, yeah. I really think we're, we're a bit behind in that sense. And, um, you know, professionalism obviously is, is a very broad term, and you mentioned one of those aspects, which is the timekeeping and yeah. time management side of things, and uh, so much falls into it. I always say, like, the whole concept of ihsan really is yes. in the in the corporate world today. We'd call it professionalism, doing things in a professional, the best possible way, right? Even yeah. I give the example of like just writing an email, like you know, just an email, writing it properly, communicating effectively. I mean, we're going to talk about communication, right? Yeah. Communication isn't nowadays, I mean, it's, it's mainly all online and things, right? So, um, you know, it's not just about speaking and communicating to someone verbally, but like if you're communicating via email or however it is, they need to do that effectively and do it in, in a good way, especially if you're representing an organization. I mean, if, if yeah. I'm just like messaging you as a friend, fair <laughs> enough, right? But if I'm representing an organization, you've come to me for a service or whatever, I need mm-hmm. to be professional and do it with ihsan. And I feel like yeah. yeah, we're seriously we're seriously lacking there. And um, you know, what what would you say? How how you know any tips that come to mind for us to up our game in that sense?
1: Yeah, I think the very first thing I would say, especially at Muslim Mastery, we focus a lot on the mindset, and I think high standards are extremely important. You know, the mm-hmm. Prophet ﷺ, he said that when you ask for Jannah, ask for Jannah for those, right? Mm-hmm. So he didn't say, look, just ask for the lowest part or the middle." part. He said, like, ask for the highest, the best part of it, right? So our standards as a whole, we just need to increase the standards. And, and I think this is the first level that for me, I wouldn't accept that someone come, would come late to a meeting of mine, uh, unless there was a serious reason, you know? So I think when it comes to all these things, it's about having those high standards. So when you're talking about Ihsan, for example, like we need to have in our mind... That our standard is so high And this is why when I was working with volunteers I would always say to the volunteers Like people sometimes see volunteering as a very wishy-washy thing Oh I couldn't make it today brother I couldn't do this, I couldn't do that right? And I would always say to them Look, you are a person who's sincere You're doing this for the sake of Allah What level does Allah deserve from you? Like, I want you to do this better than you do your job, because when you're doing your job, you're doing it for the man who is paying you. But when you're doing volunteering, you're doing it for the sake of Allah. So you need to have those high standards. So I think like pushing our people to have high standards, this is the first step. But of course, you've got to show those high standards, right? I can't tell everyone else to come on time to my meetings and then I'm late to every meeting that I go to or something like that, you know. So I think having those high standards... Um, and that comes with you see when you're doing these kind of things there's two things one is motivation and the second is ability so motivation wise like you need to have those high standards but ability wise you need to know that you're capable of it and this is one of the issues that people feel that i'm not that kind of person and this is where it comes back to communication i always tell people mind your language right someone might say oh i'm not really a maths person okay so for me that's really bad language because you're already putting a limit onto yourself that i'm not good at maths right so mm. in the same way, when we're having high standards, we need to know that Allah's created us in an amazing way where we are capable of having these high standards, right? And this is why Allah says He's written Ihsan for every single thing. So for mm. us, we can raise our game in anything, but it just starts with that shift in mindset, knowing that I am capable of raising
0: the game and I can and I will, inshallah. Mm, excellent point. I mean, since we're on the um, the topic of uh, communication, uh, one thing that I know you're quite big on is uh, is confidence, right? Um, and um, again, confidence, broad term, you know, confidence in, in different areas. I'm sure we can speak about it. But um, yeah, let, let's just start with basic question: Why, why are you so big on confidence um, and instilling confidence within uh, Muslims in particular? Yeah, because I see confidence as a superpower. It's as simple as that, right? I feel that
1: confidence is one of those things where it's one of those things that could actually even lead someone to Jahannam right? So when you look at some of the conversations of the Akhirah, you will hear these people who were led astray by their leaders, right? Now for you to stand up against your leader who's going a certain way, it requires a level of confidence, right? And I can imagine that there will be people who will go to Jahannam because they followed their leaders blindly without having the courage or the confidence to stand up and say, no, you know what? I'm not going to go this way. So I think confidence is a massive thing when it comes to your overall life. But also when you get into deeper situations, like I've seen so many people who are terrible at their job, but really good at speaking or confident and they get the job and those guys that are good at their jobs and they know they're not very confident. They're not great at speaking and therefore they fail. Right. Mm. So I think confidence as a whole for you to actually go out there and do things and want to achieve things. It's so important. Like me and you being on this podcast, like, you know, it might be quite easy for us now after all the kind of shows or things that we've done. But if you were to do this the first time, you might say Mm. no to this. And this is the real problem that what happens is a lack of confidence Not only does it hurt your self-esteem, but it actually changes your life because Mm. you start saying no to things that you actually really want to do, but you just don't feel inside that you can do them. And I feel that someone becoming a muhsin, because this is what Muslim Mastery is all about, trying to get Muslims to become muhsins. I think the first part of that is the internal part, which is all to do with the confidence and the internal communication that you have with yourself so that you can then go to the next part, which is expression and communication.
0: Mm. No, you're right. I mean, it is. I, I can. I can completely see why um, you focus on, you know, confidence is one of the first steps, right? Um, because, like you said, it almost. I mean, not having confidence almost cripples a person, right? Yes. Um, in terms of doing th- something, or you know, we spoke about impact, right? It could even, you know, um, remove the impact aspect of things where you could exactly. have actually impacted a lot of people, but that confidence um, took you away from it. And I like the point you mentioned also about how you need to have that courage as part of that confidence to sometimes stand up, mm-hmm. right, to, to what is wrong. Um, so, okay, so, so that's, 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 that's interesting to understand why um, confidence is such an important aspect. Um, let's talk about, I mean, we're going to come to the steps, right? We, you know, we always want to keep things practical here on the podcast. Yeah. We'll talk about some steps to kind of build confidence because there's some people listening right now, like, that's all well and good, but, you know, <laughs> I'm just not confident, you know, I just can't yeah. do it um so we'll come to that um but i want to ask you a few questions about confidence in terms of just some of the traits or some of the description right because some people co- might get a bit confused right and i can understand why so what is what's a sign what would you say are a sign or signs of someone who is confident because um, obviously when you think about confidence sometimes people just think about uh, going up on stage and speaking to yeah. you know giving a keynote in front of 500 people but confidence is is, you know is applied in other areas of life so what what's, what's some signs of a confident person
1: yeah so confidence it's it's confidence i think has a few lies about it and the lies are that people think it's something you're either born with or born without Right, mm-hmm. and they don't—they see it as a very fixed trait. Whereas confidence is actually the opposite of that. Confidence is something that is a feeling internally, uh, and it's something that you can definitely build. People think you can't build it. That like, you know, oh, that guy's just born like that. Like they see yeah. you on this podcast and think, oh, this guy's always been like this. He's always yeah. like had this confidence. He's always been able to speak. Yeah. But that's not the case. Confidence is something that's kind of built, right? Yeah. And naturally, like people will see people who speak, and they will see people who communicate in a certain way, and they'll think they're confident. They'll see their body language. They'll see all of that. But for us, like the way we think about confidence is a little bit different. Confidence fundamentally comes down to trust. It's like, do you have trust in yourself to achieve something? Right. Mm -hmm. So now if I said to you or anyone watching who has no confidence, let's imagine someone has no confidence. And I say to them, how confident are you that you could walk from your bedroom to your bathroom in your house? Like how confident do you think most people are at doing that? I think they'd be pretty pretty damn confident (laughs) yeah they'll be like 100 percent, right and some of them might even say i could do it with my eyes closed because i've Mm -hmm. done my bathroom to my bedroom so many times i could do it my so you can see that partly because of the level of competence that they have in that thing because competence and confidence are linked as well so if they have a high competence in something and they then have the trust within themselves that they can do that their confidence will be high in it so what you'll find is people have a high level of confidence in certain things and certain things their confidence will drop or they will feel like they have no confidence. So, for example, when I was at university, I was completely like, terrified of speaking in public. Completely mm. terrified. What I did at university, I had a group project which required us to speak. I went to everyone in the group and I said, if I do most of your work for you, can you let me off the hook for speaking? And they all, they all agreed, obviously, right? They're like, you're going to do our work? Okay. So, on the day of the presentation, I said, my name is Mohamed Arshad. And that was it. I didn't have to say anything else, right? Because I was so terrified. There were only like three people there that we were presenting to. But I was just so terrified, I didn't want to do it because my confidence in that topic was so low. And I think what you'll find is that different human beings will have different levels of confidence in different things. And part of this is practice, part of this is uh, going through it, but a lot of it is psychological because what happens is, again, we put those chains on ourselves where I can't speak in front of people and therefore mm-hmm. I'll never do it. And, and what happens <clears throat> with fear is fear is multiplied by time. So If I'm scared of something for one day, that fear is not as bad as if I've been scared of it for one year, two years, Mm. three years, 10 years. Right. So it's about realizing that confidence is one of those things which we definitely build. It's something that you can definitely practice. And just like you have a good level of confidence in some
0: things, you can increase it. Mm, uh, Okay, so, uh, you know, while you're telling me your stories, I'm thinking about like all my stories of um, because it's funny because like when it came to public speaking, Mm -hmm. um, that's something that I wasn't I wasn't too afraid of. Um, you know I think from young I just had to just do it that kind of thing but I remember um, when it came to leading salah like you know after I began mm. hafid and I had to lead taraweeh and things oh my god Like I just remember initially anxiety. anxiety and I just like my voice is shaking trembling yes. sometimes I couldn't even finish a verse properly because I'm so yes. scared I don't know what it was but you know what 10 years on you know alhamdulillah you know it's there's so many things that I had to, you, you spoke about mindset, which I think is really important, you know, uh, it's not, it's, yeah, obviously the experience helped year, year by year. I got better at it, but I think also it was sitting down with myself, you know, cause no one can teach you confidence as a, as a course, right? Like, okay, this is confidence. If you pass this course, you're going to be, I mean, it's, it's really down to yourself, right? I don't know if you agree with me on that. I mean, so you can teach someone the, the skills and, and tips and things. Yeah, like without that, the action,
1: nothing. Without the action. Ultimately, yeah. it's
0: down to themselves. So, so yeah. for me, it was like I had to like convince myself so many things. Obviously, I'm, I'm okay. I'm praying. I'm praying in front of Allah. Forget the people. You know, you have to like tell yourself you so many coach things, yourself. right? You yeah. have to coach yourself. Yeah. So, um, I just remember that that fear that I had. Oh, it almost put me off leading again. Yes. And imagine what would have happened like if, if I stopped. Like, I would have regretted it, yep. honestly. And that's what I'm saying. Imagine
1: that you had given in. That like, Most, most mm. people, what they do is they give in to their doubts. They give yeah. in to the negative self-talk. Um, and they don't have anyone to help them with that. And therefore, they just give up. So you imagine if you had given up on that and said, you know what? This whole public thing, I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, How wow. different your life would have been
0: yeah yeah so i think that first point is is really important i'm going to highlight it again for everyone listening right that um, confidence is not something that you are born with i mean you could argue some people may just naturally be confident but trust me you have to coach yourself you've got to train yourself to do it Um, i think that's a great starting point for a lot of people listening because that's just gonna that's just gonna clarify a huge misconception off the bat immediately which is okay Alhamdulillah, you don't have to be born with it. So I still have hope as a 32-year-old, you know, who doesn't have any experience in this area. Actually, no, I can still train myself to become confident in that area. So that's a really good start. What else would you say are either misconceptions or signs of a a confident person? I think um, when it comes down to confidence, uh, another big thing is that
1: um, when you're building it, just like you said, action is a massive part of it. People Mm. think, like, you know, you can change your mindset. You can change your mindset, and a lot of the times, mindset is 90% of it. But taking that action, that's really important. And I think that one of the big things that really stops people is fear. And we need to realize that a lot of the time, fear is one of those things where you basically are overestimating what would happen. Right? So, for example, if you take a situation where you're like, okay, so I'm going to lead a salah, and I'm going to mess up what I read. Okay? Like, Actually, if you play that through, what's the end result of that? Is it going to be that, uh, you know, someone's going to come and you're going to get executed for that? Well, obviously not, right? Nothing's going to happen on that level. But the fear and the anxiety that we feel, it's one of those things. So one of the big things I would say is that part of this and, and so much other things in life as well is realizing that even though you have these feelings, even though you are going through these doubts and all these things for you to actually take the action. For you Mm -hmm. to go out and do Mm -hmm. movement. And this is why we say that. They say that courage isn't the absence of fear. It's moving forward and taking action in spite of the fear. Right? Knowing that Mm -hmm. I'm feeling this. I'm feeling this. But look, it doesn't matter. What's more important is something else. And I think this is one of the big things I would say for confidence. Find out what is more important to you than going ahead. Like one of the examples Mm -hmm. I gave. Just like you said that you kind of coach yourself. Um, When I got to Al-Maghrib and I was the Amir there. One of the things I had to do was speak to hundreds of people. Right. And I was the guy who came from university. You didn't want to speak to three people. So for me, it was terrible. Like all the anxiety, everything you're describing, like physically feeling ill and all this stuff. And I went to some of the brothers in al for comfort, right? And, you know, brothers, sometimes they're not comforting. <laughs> they were like, yeah, what you do is just jump in front of the audience and say, welcome to al <laughs> And they started taking, taking the biscuit, right? They're taking a mick out of me and all this stuff. But I felt internally really bad.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And, and then when I, when I actually got and did it, I read everything word for word and I did it. I was so relieved it was over. And then I realized we've got another, we've got another seminar in eight weeks. And then those feelings started to build again and again mm. and again. And it just got to this point where I got so sick of feeling so bad. About this That I sat down with myself And I said Oh Mohammed, You need to decide Either you do the role And you shut up And you put up with everything That comes with it Including the speaking Or You do not do the role And you just That's it Get on with your life And at that moment I really realised That you know what I want to have this impact I want to do this work So I have to accept Whatever comes with it And you know Just by making that one decision Suddenly everything changed Like just realising That look I take it now I'm not going to complain this is, this is what I choose to do that changed everything. So I think making this firm decision in our heads, I, you know, I think one decision can change your life like that.
0: Mm, wow. Fear, I mean, fear, a lot of times it's just, it's just fear of people, isn't it? Like what they're going to say. It's not even a, yes. uh, any, any kind of like major kind of you know, physical fear. It's just it's, most of the time it's just what, what, what are they going to say? You know, what am but that's, more, gonna powerful. Say? that's yeah, more powerful.
1: That's more powerful than an animal or a poisonous snake. Yeah, or something it's, like cra- that. it's crazy, right? Because we're social human beings, we're social beings, right? Where we actually are used to living in communities, we know that, you know, relationships are so important. And if you, even this is what I say about communication, like, if you look at the hadith the Prophet he said the greatest jihad is speaking a word of truth in front mm. of a tri ruler, right? Now, when you, when you start to think about communication like that, you start to realize how big it is. Like, I always talk about the Prophet Sallam right? Like, if you think about his situation... Like imagine today, like you had to stand up in, in somewhere and speak. It's hard if you've never spoken before for you to go and speak to hundreds of people. What if you had to just say something good to them? Maybe you'd be like, okay, I'm going to talk good things about them. Like we love Great Britain. You're going to stand in front of Parliament and you're going to say we love Great Britain. All This is great. But what if you have to reject what they love and believe? Right. Mm. This is what the prophets were doing. Someone loves an idol and the Prophet has to stand up and say, no, that is wrong. You cannot do that. That will take you to the hellfire. So you attack their way of life. You attack everything about them. And this is what the prophets did. Right. Mm. So that level of communication, that level of courage is something else when it comes to the prophets.
0: Yeah. Subhanallah. I want to I ask you about... Um the 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 fine line between confidence and arrogance right because this is this is this is a big one right you got some people overly confident and they're kind of in your face and you're just thinking man you just need to tone it down a bit because this is this is you you know you need some humble pie as they say right so um what what would you say is is the is the difference between the two? So this is the paradox that Muslims have,
1: because imagine I'm a Muslim and I'm not confident. First of all, I've got that whole lie about, oh, I can never become confident. But even when I become, uh, when I overcome that lie, I realize that my choices are arrogance, right, or humility. Like, if I want to be confident, I have to be confident and arrogant, or I have to have no confidence and be humble. Right? And this is, this is a really big, big misconception as well. What we need to realize is, yes, there is something out there called ego confidence. Uh, ego confidence, for me, uh, is what you would get when you go out to learn about confidence from uh, non-Muslims and the everyday thing out there. This is the kind of stuff that promotes, uh, you know, you making your ego big. Oh, Muhammad, you're so great. Muhammad, you're so great. All that kind of rubbish, right? And then what that does is it enlarges the ego, but also it puts the reliance upon you. It puts a reliance Mm. upon yourself that, look, I'm going to be able to handle stuff. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And and it kind of leads you to Jahannam ultimately, that way of thinking, because arrogance is so dangerous like that, right? Mm. Whereas what we've developed is something called believer's confidence, which is actually the opposite. Because what believer's confidence does is that it relies completely upon Allah. So when I'm going to go out there and want to be confident, it's going to be purely based on Allah and putting your trust in Allah. And whoever puts his trust in Allah, Allah will be enough for him. Right, So the whole methodology of a Muslim is that he actually achieves confidence through humility So you know how you get these Muslims or or new Muslims who say You know what, I became free after I became Muslim But when you become Muslim, you actually become enslaved to Allah But through enslavement, they become free And it's exactly the same Once you become uh, humble to Allah and to doing what he wants and what he cares about and, and all those things Suddenly you feel a next level of confidence because now you're doing it for Allah and you're relying on Allah rather than yourself or human beings or anything else.
0: Mm, yeah, that's, that's a really good point about, you know, again, shifting who we're doing it for, why we're doing it. Um, again, yeah, it's, it's just really important to clarify that because, again, some Muslims feel like if I am confident, it means arrogance and yeah. others obviously take confidence, you know, on the other side of the spectrum to the next level where it's like they are actually looking down on other people and they big themselves up so much, right. That literally everyone else is, 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 is belittled. Right. Um, and I think that's, that's obviously the dangerous side to having too much confidence. Yeah. Um, One
1: other thing I want to tell you about this, right. Is that sometimes what I would say is that the people that are worried about having no confidence, they are the furthest from arrogance. Right. Mm-hmm. And for those people, what I actually prescribe is for them to go extremely confident. Right. So you imagine that someone is is there who is extremely arrogant for them. I would say you shouldn't be a little bit more humble. You should go to extreme humility. Right. And so in the same way, most of the people that are worried about their confidence. Their confidence is so low that they are very far for them to be arrogant. Uh, it's the arrogant ones that are arrogant And it's the one that no conflict, no conflict And both of them need to kind of move And this is what a lot of self development is about It's about you actually moving to a more middle path Than where you're kind of sit at, As a normal extreme And so for yeah. these people that are really struggling With their confidence I would say to them Don't worry about uh, being arrogant Worry more about serving Allah And doing things correctly Because this mm-hmm. is the point That once you shift your focus And this is a really really big point About actually transforming your confidence once you shift your focus, suddenly you will find that your confidence just flies through the roof, right? So, mm-hmm. for example, let me give you an example. If I was sitting here on this podcast with you worrying about, um, oh, look at this uh, spot on my nose. Okay, this is, this is a beauty spot. Imagine that. Or look at my hairline. It's like going up every week. It seems to be growing up, right? If I start worrying about this stuff while I'm on the podcast, my level of confidence will go right down. Right? Mm. And I'll start to worry about What will other people think about me I won't be able to perform So the focus, if it goes on here or here It's going to affect my confidence But if my focus goes on The people I'm trying to help If my focus goes on pleasing Allah If my focus goes on serving humanity Suddenly these little things They become irrelevant, they don't mm. matter right? Because your focus is completely On doing something for the sake of Allah It's about helping those people That really, really need your help and once you do that, these things just kind of fall away.
0: Yeah, I like that. Good, 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 good point about focus. Another, Similarly, I mean, the way we're discussing um, confidence versus um, arrogance, um, also um, I, I would bring in here the discussion of confidence and um, modesty because the word, the word haya, um, which a lot of us are familiar with, can be translated commonly into English as both, right? I mean, if, if a person has haya, they're modest person has higher mm-hmm. they're they're shy right, so um you know I think you know so, so here's here's the thing right We have this concept of shyness, which a lot of times is seen as the opposite to confidence, right you have a shy person, you have a confident person, yeah. and then again, the Muslims have this kind of they're, they're here now and they're kind of um conflicted right like yeah but if if I'm yes. confident, does that mean? I'm not shy and modest anymore, right? So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, again, an excellent
1: point you raised, right? This is one of those big things where there's a paradox there. Mm. Um, This is why I said for us, confidence is our trust in our abilities, right? So someone can be very, very confident in their own abilities, but just not Mm. speak up right? Uh, and there'll be other people who just speak up, but they're not confident in their uh, in their own abilities. So what we want to actually do is we want to build our abilities. We want to build our competence in different areas. And then we want to be ourselves. Some people naturally just talk more. They talk a lot, yeah. right? That's absolutely fine. So other people are just quieter. That's fine as well. I mean, I would say the quieter ones are the safer, safer ones because of the tongue. It's very dangerous like yeah. that, right? So I think it's a safer position. But what we need to realize is that It's about taking these individual areas of our lives and just growing the competence in there, making sure that you step up because what you don't want to do is be shy and quiet. You know, when the time came for Yusuf, Salam, when he had to manage the storehouses, he didn't stay quiet. He could have stayed quiet, right? He could have said, well, yeah, that's a big problem. What are you going to do about it, right? But he basically stood up and said, listen, I will do this. I will manage this kind of situation. And that was because he had confidence and he had competence and he knew that it's best for him to do it. So it's those kind of things that we need to realize that there's nothing wrong with you being a quieter person. There's nothing wrong with you having more modesty. All of that stuff is absolutely fine. It's more around when something needs to get done, then you step up and you don't let your fear of other people or fear of other people's opinions or fear or doubt or anxiety or negative thoughts or any of that stop you from doing what you
0: need to do. That's
1: Mm -hmm. the bottom line of
0: it. Yeah, it's crazy. I was just i was I was waiting for you to finish to bring the example of Yusuf al Islam, and then Mashallah, you just brought it in because it's it's so true. You know, like you, you ask yourself, why why would he nominate himself for a leadership position? You know, yeah. it's almost. I mean, from first reading, you almost think, isn't that a bit arrogant? You know, like mm. aren't we told as Muslims to not put ourselves forward? <inaudible> yeah, it, literally, he's he's saying, yeah, make appoint me right yeah. and, and and he literally describes himself in qawiyun uh, amin, right so yeah. he's like describing himself as um you know with, with these abilities like yeah you know I, i'm someone who can take take care of it right um sorry he says right i can safeguard it etc and he's like isn't that a bit like you're kind of bigging yourself up kind of thing yeah. right you know it's like that whole thing about going into an interview and being like i'm the best at this this that yeah. right <laughs> yeah. and, um, you know it's like but you know why? Why was he doing that? You have to look at why was he putting himself forward? Because actually, out of all the people, he was the best for that position, and yeah. he was thinking about the benefit after those years of drought, exactly. etc. How he could benefit the people, um, and that's yeah. the that's the outcome. So I think that's that's an important point and and example, and um especially yeah, I think with this whole this whole modesty shyness thing, I think um it is a huge misconception because, like you said, I mean naturally it's like this whole introverted extroverted thing right some people are naturally a bit introverted some people are extroverted that they're they're good at you know like for me for example I'll give you an example right you might think because you're seeing me host a podcast and see me on tv and stuff that I'm the super confident person I'm actually not like in 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 like day to day I'm quite like I'm not the first to start a conversation I'm always growing up I was quite shy but when it comes to my work and you know doing getting involved I can be confident in that, in that area, if that makes sense. Mm, and um, yeah. so I just feel like, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, I'll end with this and, and hear your thoughts on it. It doesn't necessarily mean that someone who's naturally shy, it doesn't mean that that automatically makes them a modest person. And, and likewise, someone who's naturally confident, it doesn't automatically make them an immodest person, if that makes sense, because yeah. we have this idea. So um yeah what what are your thoughts on that Yeah I mean it's very similar for me like when I'm in my
1: mode of what I know whether it's business or whether it's helping uh, muslims develop or anything like that I'm very like I'm very clear on where I'm going, I'm clear on what I'm doing. I remember at era. we've got all these amazing du'a who are great speakers and everything like this. And even there, I would fight with those du'a. I'm talking big names, I'll be fighting across the table with them and arguments and all these things, right? And then I remember one time we went to dinner, one of the brothers invited us to a dinner, so there's like 20 brothers, and I'm just naturally I'm actually quiet, like I'm introverted, all that stuff as well. And these brothers who've known me for years, they see me and they're like, what's wrong with you, bro? Like, nothing's wrong with me. They're like, why are you so quiet? I'm like, well, there's nothing to say. They're like, at, at work and I era, you are like a machine and you're going and you're there. But now we're seeing you and you're just like quiet, sitting on the side, not saying much. I'm like, well, this is how I am. And it's yeah. hard for people to kind of see that because they just see this kind of thing in front of yeah. you where you're just all out there and everything like that. And I think it's a good way of being personally. I think that, you know, Being clear on the areas you can help on And going all out and, and pushing And not taking no for an answer from people All that stuff is very good And then the other areas that you're not really that focused on There's, there's nothing wrong with it And I think yeah. this is why I'm saying that at the heart of it Confidence is about you and your relationship with Allah This mm-hmm. is what it comes down to Because the way I'm confident is I put my trust in Allah But at the same time I do my best and this is why I would advise right do your best and leave the rest to Allah uh, that right. if you actually take the action and you do what you can do and then you put your trust in Allah then you feel very confident why because as Muslims we're in this place where our focus is not the dunya we don't measure the world through the dunya and this is one of the big things as well the way you see things right we have right. different filters that we look at as Muslims we have the filter of the akhirah so when we have the filter of the akhirah everything changes because now, when I'm doing this podcast with you, it's no longer about, oh, you know, when am I going to get business from this? Am I going to do it? No, no. It's about, look, I'm going to be able to help people. And even if I help no one, the fact that I have this intention to help people, I'm getting paid for this from Allah, mm-hmm. right? So then everything changes in the way that we deal with things. And that's why it's so important for us to think about how are we seeing the world? Are we measuring things by what's going to happen to my life today are we measuring it by when i graduate when i get married or is it more about look when i meet allah this is what's going to happen and i'm saying when you start doing things for allah in that way that the fears the doubts the concerns you have they will start to fall away over time inshallah
0: Mm, inshallah i like that and um i think you know we've covered some really important points here about just even misconceptions about um Confidence and some of the some of the traits. And uh, since we're coming to the end, I mean, always always want to end on um, a practical note because um, we, we've discussed all of this about confidence. But still, there's going to be a lot of people sitting there thinking, you know, I'd, I still don't know where to start, how to go about things. And we've really covered some important points about taking action, um, yeah. coaching yourself, and so on. But what would be some final tips you would give to viewers and listeners right now um, on? getting some confidence going, whether it's getting a mentor, whatever it might be. Um, Yeah. So just instilling confidence within themselves. What would you say? Yeah. So what I would say practically,
1: what I would say is that you need to start to take a bigger control of your life. You need to get into the driving seat of your life. Right. And I would say do very small steps to begin that. So for example, what I would do is if I'm not praying five times a day, for example, I would start to rectify that first. Right Now once I started praying or getting into a habit like that that This is what I'm saying That is something that will give you automatic confidence Imagine if you are not connecting with Allah at all Every single day right? And then you start to build that relationship with Allah You start to connect with Him That instantly will make you feel happier More secure, more better, confident All these kind of things mm. right? So I think like working on your relationship with Allah The second thing I would say is that The morning I think is an amazing, amazing blessing for us Prophet made dua for us in the morning All this stuff but in addition, I think, like, if you can start your morning in the right way, such as doing afkar, these words of remembrance, all these kind of things, I think all of this stuff boosts your iman. It helps yeah. you to feel more confident, right? Yeah. So I think getting salah in order, getting some sort of morning routine. In the morning routine, you could just do something beneficial. Like, there's a, there's a free app out there. Uh, called the 5-Minute Journal. There's also a paid version of it. And in the 5-Minute Journal, you just write what you're grateful for every day. So that level of gratitude, you know, it starts to shift your mind. Remember we were talking Mm -hmm. about focus. It shifts it away from, oh, I don't have this. I don't have that. I don't have... It shifts your mind more to, what has Allah given me? And as Mm -hmm. a practical thing, I would say that don't just do, I'm grateful for X, Y, Z. Do I am grateful to Allah for X, Y, Z. Right, not the universe, not this, no. I'm just generally grateful. Start listing the things that you're grateful for. And so, when you have this morning routine where you are praying to Allah, where you're actually starting your uh, day with with Allah rather than your phone, and then yeah. you are on top of that, you're doing words, you're saying words. Words have a massive impact. We haven't really talked much about that, but words have a massive impact upon you. Right? This is why the Quran, uh, as a miracle, is the language. Right? It's, it's Allah's words, which is the miracle. So these <clears throat> words that you say to yourself in the morning, they have a massive impact on you. So saying your ufkar, doing these kind of things. And then I would say is that choosing the areas that you want to be confident in. So for example, if I said from today onwards, I want to, uh, you know, become really good at making, I don't know, wood furniture. Right? Well then, all we have to do is actually start to focus on that and start to learn about that and then start to take action about that and start iterating and improving and keep taking action mm. and just keep going through that. And when you've chosen that practical thing, we're like literally, we're like one YouTube search away from all of this stuff. So it's about learning it. It's about iterating it. It's about improving. It's about taking action. And as you start to do these things, your confidence will really, really increase in whatever the topic is, inshallah.
0: Inshallah. Yeah. <clears throat> the the point about prayer, I think, is of course we had to, had to mention that because you know uh, it's it's important to make dua for anything and um, even if you're struggling with confidence or an area that requires improvement in your life, then dua is 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 definitely the first first go to right uh, and you know we know from the story of Musa Islam very famous right is is he really really scared about facing the Pharaoh and mm. the famous dua we all know the dua rabbish Sadrī Amri like if you just look at even the meaning of that or like expand. Uh, and open up my chest for me i mean that is literally the meaning of confidence right and you need yes. to feel that uh, you know going yeah. back to that the, you know my taraweeh example your public speaking example what do you feel you feel that you know restriction that constraint in your chest you're choking right and musa yeah. is literally asking allah again why why does he need that confidence because he needs to give dawah i think that's again coming it just summarizes everything we've been speaking about oh allah open up my chest so that in that position I'm in Even though I'm, I'm, I'm in front of the most powerful man You know On the land And I'm surrounded by all of his men And I could be Just executed and finished Just like that mm. Right But I want to say something good And I want to do it for your sake So Allah Opened it up for me And we know Musa Adi-san was able to do it Right yeah. And that was That was through um, Through dua So And this um,
1: is something similar that You know I don't know if Sister Fatima told you this But uh, Sis Fatima She went on channel 4 To do the niqab debate and um, when she went to do that debate, I was in charge of basically uh, helping her prep for it and everything. Right. And one of the big things we did was actually to set up a ritual that you do before doing the talk, Right. right this is a big thing like whenever you're planning to do something you need to get yourself into the right state of mind this is why I'm saying uh, salah and adhkar and dua and, and all these things because once you get into that mode like imagine you start your morning with your phone and bad messages and people arguing and all this stuff compared to you start starting your day in a very peaceful way right so these rituals, the way you behave before, it makes a massive difference. And so with this mm. Fatima, before we did the Channel 4 debate, we were actually talking about, like, what are the things you're going to do before you get onto the stage, right? Like, whether it's adhkar, making dua, being in wudu, whatever it is, what are the things that will make you feel in a much better state, much more confident state? Whatever those things are, if you do those things, that will do that. So some people, they might prefer to have, like, a, a weird one is when, especially brothers, when they get a haircut, they naturally feel a bit more confident. <laughs> yeah. When the haircut's done, it's finished, right? Yeah. You come off the chair and you think, okay, I feel better about myself. So getting a haircut the day you're giving a speech, that can help you with confidence as well. So a lot of it is to do what you do before the actual moment
0: where you need the confidence as well. So mm. preparation is a massive thing, I think. I like that. That's a, that's a really good example. Um, yeah, so so Alhamdulillah, I think we covered, we covered some really amazing points there um, about confidence. And inshallah, this this will hopefully, um, you know, hopefully actually help a lot of people because I think... Um, like i said at the beginning it's it's something we haven't spoken about before it's it's a weird one initially when you think about you're going to literally sit here on a podcast and talk about confidence but now that we've come to the end of the discussion i think a lot of people are going to be like wow okay i do struggle with it and i can see i can see the downsides to not being confident i can see the limitations as well to not being confident so i think actually inshallah there's a lot of benefit um for our viewers and listeners and on one final note uh, brother muhammad uh, if if uh, anyone from the Ilmfeed family if they want to connect with you uh, find out more about your work where can they find you?
1: Sure, so there's uh, a domain that we've got is believersconfidence.com believersconfidence.com and you can go there there's some free training we've got on building your confidence from an Islamic perspective um, I'm also on LinkedIn you can check out the Muslim Mastery YouTube channel as well
0: Facebook all the usual stuff we're all there Amazing JazakAllah thank you so much for joining us it's been an absolute been pleasure. pleasure and uh, inshallah we hope to connect again soon um, but yeah take care of yourself and to our listeners and viewers thank you for tuning in hope you enjoyed and benefited from yet another episode this time with brother muhammad arshad and inshallah we're going to be back very soon with another episode so stay tuned stay subscribed keep us in your du'as from myself shabir from brother muhammad we'll see you next time take care assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi